celebrating Thanksgiving. I know that it's still several days in our future, but uh, I will be gone as somewhat been we've been accustomed to. People are often t- traveling on Wednesday, and so uh, we've decided to use that as a travel day. A Wednesday night is a night for not for you to just to take forget about uh, Bible class, but you can read the Word of God, study it, and be prepared the next morning for Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is not a day, uh, again, that is absent God. As a matter of fact, it's based upon what God has done for you and me, His gracious provisions. So this is really a great week, and it's an opportunity for us to remember uh, not only our history, uh, the begins, the beginning, Thanksgiving, the the origin of it, but also uh, events throughout our our history, national history, and our personal history as well. So this is going to be a special Thanksgiving Day special, uh, even though it is not quite Thanksgiving yet. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he shall meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves never wither, And whatsoever he does, he prospers. Let's take a few seconds for spiritual preparation. This is our opportunity for confession of sins, but also to prepare ourselves mentally for uh, for the message, for our songs. Um, This is a wonderful opportunity uh, for corporate worship. And we need to prayerfully prepare our prepare ourselves for it. So let's bow our heads in prayer, and then I'll open us in prayer. Dearly Father. We are thankful for the many events in our lives for which we can be thankful. And we are thankful that our nation in the past decided that we should have a specific day of thanksgiving. And while each year... We celebrate this Thanksgiving, this uh, specific event is really more focused on ourselves, our nation, and our relationship with you. We know that we wouldn't be a nation if it wasn't for your grace provision, and we certainly would not continue 
to exist as a nation without your grace and mercy. Help us, Father, as we today review the origin of our Thanksgiving Day holiday, really a holy day, that we would also remember that you have continued to bless us. And there are many things for which we must be thankful. Some of the very basic things, such as awakening every morning to a new day, a day that you have prepared for us. And then, of course, for the many blessings in our lives. We ask, Father, for your blessing upon this service. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you, Lord, for the marvelous talents that he has given some people. Not all of us, but uh, what a wonderful song. One of the things I like to remember to remind you is that uh, one of the grace provisions that God has given to us is uh, the opportunity to express our love for him through giving. And uh, I'm thankful uh, today and this month for the blessings that he has bestowed upon our church. I know, as I, I think I mentioned last week, the uh, many churches are struggling but God has blessed us, and he's blessed us through your gifts. And I'm more than thankful for that. We are told by the Apostle Paul that he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows generously will also reap generously. And each one of you should give, just as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for the Lord loves a gracious giver. And uh, our gracious gifts come to us from God. And we express our love towards him by giving to his ministries. So again, thank you for your generous gifts to our church. This morning, I'm going to start our Thanksgiving special with several, passage, <clears throat> several passages from the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, uh, those are some of the greatest passages uh, for Thanksgiving expression. There are many passages in the New Testament, of course, as Paul teaches and provides an example for giving thanks. But in the Old Testament, we have some of the most extraordinary passages. And this morning, we're going to start with a call to worship, Psalm 92. This is a passage that we have... Uh, read several times for our call to worship. Psalm 92, 
And we're going to read four verses, one through four. Let me read. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night on an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the words of your hands. Let me read this one more time. This time I'll try to make a few adjustments um, that I think will help us to understand the passage. First of all, in verse 1, the author says, It is good. Now, I've often said that the word good is fine, but it often alludes us to specifically what is being said. And I think uh, the word good here could be easily translated, the Hebrew word tov, fitting, or even proper. I like proper here. It's proper to give thanks. And the word Hebrew word here for thanks, yavah, means originally to cast or to throw. And what we are doing is we are throwing before God our thanks. And so it is proper to give thanks, to give praise, we might say, to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Secondly, in verse 2, to declare your loving kindness. And we've seen this word many times, the Hebrew word chesed. It means loyal love, God's loyal love for us. Uh, we often speak of our love for him, but God loves us and his love for us is based upon his character. Matter of fact, his love is part of his character and he is loyal to us with his love. Another way of understanding this word, love, loving kindness, is his covenant, covenant faithfulness at our salvation, our redemption. God does many things for us. And as he performs uh, those events, he is committing himself to us. And we have a covenant, therefore, with him. And God is faithful in his relationship with us. It says to, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Now, this is a figure of speech. It's a merism. When we say <clears throat> in the morning and every night, we really are saying all day. Another way of saying that is constantly. We are constantly praising him, declaring your loving kindness and your faithfulness. Verse 3, on an instrument, and we could say, to the 
the accompaniment is another way of saying this. So to the, to the accompaniment of ten strings on the lute and on the harp, and again, and with the harmonious sound of the harp. Uh, I think it's worth noting that these instruments are generally soft or they're easy listening. They're not loud and they're not disruptive to the message. Uh, many of our songs have significant doctrinal content. And if we decide to emphasize uh, the music, loud, uh, beating, I think we often are distracted from the real message of what the song is trying to communicate. So these instruments are not going to produce loud and disruptive uh, sit, uh, situation. The message comes from uh, the words, the lyrics. The instrumentation is a godly way to, enha to enhance the praise of the worship. So there are some churches, denominations, that believe that no music should be used. Well, I don't think that's um, appropriate. Uh, we've certainly chosen music. But I'd like to say that the music is not the central message here. It's the words. And therefore, we would say that the music enhances the meaning of the words. It's honoring to God. So the instrumentation is a godly way to enhance the praise or the worship. Verse 4 here says, For you, Lord, have made me glad. Glad or happy is another way to describe this. You've made me happy, joyful through your work. And what your work here is what you've done. What you've done as far as creation is concerned and what you do for me every day. Through your work, what you have done, I will triumph in the works of your hand. And the word here for triumph, triumph is to sing for joy is another way we, uh, we can express this. So this is a, a wonderful passage, uh, particularly emphasizing uh, thanksgiving and for what God has done for us. If I had to uh, establish some principles from this passage, I would say, first of all, that if God provides for you every second of the day, and God does, his love is expressed to us every second of the day. So if God provides for you every second of the day, then should you not also thank him all day, beginning in the morning and continuing until tonight. Secondly, what God has done for us should bring joy to our lives. We have a tendency to rely on worldly, daily events, possessions. But what God has done for us should bring joy to our lives. That's the basis for our joy. Other basis for happiness or joy 
are ethereal. They're here and gone. God's love, God's provisions for us are everlasting. We should thank him joyfully. We should be joyful in our thank, our thanksgiving, and our praise for him. Uh, sometimes that's difficult. Sometimes uh, in the midst of hardship, the midst of illness, in the, mil- the midst of adversity, it's hard for us to be joyful. But this passage tells us that God will provide and we should be joyful in whatever the situation is. And we, we learn that in the New Testament in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Third, the works of your hands implies that God has taken a personal interest. You have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. So the works of your hands implies that God has taken a personal interest in our lives with his hands. Now, we understand that God doesn't have hands as we understand these appendages. But what this does is that it describes for us in human terms that we can really, we can relate to this. If you do something with your hands, let's say you're planting a garden or you're preparing a meal and you're using your hands, you're personally involved working there. And very often you stand back and you think, you think, This has worked very well. I'm very thankful for this. And that's the sense that we should have here. The works of your hands implies that God has taken a personal interest in our lives. He shapes our lives with a detailed, loving care. And Psalm 92, verses 1 through 4, is comforting. It's wonderful to know that we have a God that cares for us. And we know passages that say he has prepared our lives prior to our even our birth. And so every day, God is providing for us. Now, that was simply our call to worship. Now, let's think of thanksgiving. Let's turn to our passage first in uh, Psalm 100 Psalm 100 this is a very popular Thanksgiving passage the reason it's popular is because it is significant and uh, it has extraordinary meaning for us scripture Psalm 100 let me read through our passage here Psalm 100, verse 1. Make a joyful sound to the Lord, all you lands. First of all, this is an imperative. An imperative means that it's a command, but it's also a volitional. We understand that. So this is a volitional command. Make a joyful shout. This is shouting joyfully. Uh, Every now and then, children. Uh, we hear them. They shout joyfully uh, when something happens. And this is the sense, I believe, here. 
Make a joyful sound to the Lord, all you lands. And the sense of this, all you lands, means all the earth. God is the creator of all creation. And therefore, we should shout joyfully to our creator. Two, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. Is, the verb is not there. It's simply he, God. Emphasis. It is he who made us. And and I correct this translation, I believe. I think the way that this colon should read, it is he who has made us and we belong to him. And we belong to him. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Verse 4, come into his gates with thanksgiving. Uh, the word here, Enter is the same word that we had in verse 2. Come before his presence. Come into his gates or enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Verse 5. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth, the word for truthful truth there can also be translated his faithfulness his truth or his faithfulness endures to all generations uh, some of your uh, bibles you'll have uh, the italics there which tells us that the word is not there but the uh, sometimes it's uh, easily understood such as in this last colon and his truth endures endures is not found in the text, but it is implied. But the emphasis and his faithfulness, his truthfulness here, or his truth, to all generations. The emphasis is there. Um, let me work my way through Psalm 101 through 5. Make a joyful sound to the Lord, all your lands. And again, this is all creation, all earth all that is on the earth. Secondly, serve. Again, we have an imperative. And this kind of imperative means serve. It can also mean to worship. Worship the Lord with gladness, with rejoicing. Come before His presence. And I think the emphasis here, come before His presence in worship with singing, with shouts of joy. Three, verse three, know. Again, we have an imperative and it means to acknowledge. It means to recognize. Recognize that the Lord, He, God, He is God. It is He who has made us and we belong to him we don't often think in in that vein we don't we don't concentrate on the fact that we belong to him and if we belong to him he cares for us he loves us he provides he protects he leads 
These are all things that God does for us. We belong to him. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We are is not found in the text. And so the emphasis here, his people. And so as this author writes, he's writing with uh, ellipsis. He leaves out these words that we add in English to help us understand it or to smooth the translation, we often say. But we are, or we simply, his people. We belong to him, his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Interesting. We are his sheep. Uh, We don't think of ourselves as sheep. But the emphasis here or the meaning here is that if we're his sheep, he is our he is our shepherd. And the shepherd's responsibility is to care for the sheep. The shepherd learns to love his sheep. And we learn that the shepherd would even give his life for the sheep. And, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ gave his life. He redeemed us from our sins. He gave us his life for us. We are his sheep. It doesn't say this, but he is our shepherd. Verse 4, enter or come into his gates. And, again, this is sort of a repetition of verse 2. So we enter his gates for worship. And the gates here can be uh, the temple. Or, but we've just, we've just read that we are his sheep. And sheep uh, walk through uh, the gates of the sheepfold where we are protected. And therefore, there could be a sense here as well. Come into his gates for worship. With thanksgiving, thanking him for what he has done for us that day in our lives and into his courts with praise. So this uh, leads us to think of the temple or the tabernacle. Be thankful. In other words, give thanks to him and bless his name. Verse five, for the Lord is good. He's gracious. Again, the word good there, I think, without the verb, for the Lord, good. For the Lord, gracious. He is gracious. He is merciful. He uh, understands our needs. And he's provided before our needs even occur. His mercy, everlasting, and his truth, Or you could say faithfulness. That helps us a little bit to understand what we mean by this word. And his truth endures to all generations. Just a few principles here. First of all, God commands all his creation to make a joyful sound in worshiping him. So God commands all his creation to make a joyful sound in worshiping him, serving him, and thanking him for what he has done. 
We worship Him. We serve Him. We thank We thank Him. These are just a few of the areas of how we praise and how we worship Him. <clears throat> so that first principle, God commands all His creation, His creation to make a joyful sound in worshiping Him, serving Him, and thanking Him for what He has done. Secondly, He is our Creator. God is our Creator. Therefore, we belong to Him. He is our Creator, therefore we belong to Him. And as I mentioned, I think that knowing that we belong to Him is a very comforting thought if we truly understand what that means. Third, we are His sheep, meaning that He will care for us. We are His sheep, meaning that He will care for us. Now, <clears throat> when a shepherd takes takes control or he is given the job of being the shepherd for sheep, small herd or a larger one, a flock, it's often called, what does the shepherd, what does he assume? He assumes the responsibility for the sheep. If we belong to him, if we are his sheep, then God is responsible for us. I think that's another concept that eludes us. We are his sheep, meaning that he will care for us. In fact, we are his responsibility. Isn't it wonderful to know that the God of the universe, the the creator of all that exists, He places himself in a position he is responsible for us. Fourth, we must have a thankful attitude towards him. This is very simple, very elementary. But is it something that we do every day? Is it truly a basis for our daily worship with him? Thank you, Father. Thank you for opening my eyes. Thank you for each heartbeat. Thank you for every breath. Thank you for every synapsis of my mind. Thank you for the function of my brain as it controls everything else in my life, my body. These are, again, you've probably heard me say this many times, But it is very significant to me every morning to take another breath, to know that my heart is still beating. And point five, our relationship with him is everlasting. It's not just today. It's not just tomorrow. It's not for a couple weeks until he loses interest. We very often lose interest in certain events, certain occasions, certain parts of our life will just lose, lose, lose interest. Our relationship with him is everlasting because his truth or his faithfulness endures forever. And it's to all generations. That's what that means. To all generations, it means forever. 
<clears throat> well, let's move on to Thanksgiving. For some reason, sitting in my study at home, I have the sense that I don't have enough material here. And then when I stand in the pulpit, I think, I have enough material here for about three messages. But we'll begin, and as Kathy Hale used to tell me, there's another Sunday coming. My desire this morning is to review some of the history of our Thanksgiving holiday. The faith of those early settlers is important to us. And so the faith that those early immigrants possessed was foundational to their success. And if you think you have hardships, if you think you have difficulties, uh, I'm just thankful that I was born when I was born and not somewhere in the vicinity of 1610, 1615, or 1620. How would you have liked to have been born aboard the Mayflower? bouncing its way to Plymouth. But their faith was foundational to their success in spite of incredible obstacles and adversities. I believe that most of us know the general events that occurred during those early years. But most historical accounts today omit the mention of God. They just overlook it or they erase it they omit it. They omit it. They omit the mention of God and his provision. Instead, the tendency is to, pra- is to praise and honor the Indians that the pilgrims encountered. Yes, there certainly were Indians. And those Indians gave valuable help to the settlers. But we must recognize that they were sent by God. It was God's provision. And when we study those early Indians, we realize that uh, God had prepared those Indians in remarkable ways. Those who came to the New World recognized God for his provision, his protection, and his blessings to them. So we begin here with our nation having an inheritance or an inheritance, a long and rich tradition. We inherited a long, rich tradition. And that tradition includes thanksgiving to God for his blessings. Let me just read, and I wish I'd have dropped these to our, uh, to a PowerPoint here, but I didn't. Let me just read these. and I, I actually thought I'd zip through these rather quickly. And I still may get a chance. But anyhow, in 1541, in 1541, yes, that's prior to 1620. But in 1541, Spanish explorer Francisco Vasquez de Coronado and his men conducted the service of thanksgiving for the abundant food and water they found along the Palo Duro Canyon in the Texas panhandle. So for those of you who are from Texas, there was a Thanksgiving service conducted in 1541 in Texas. 
1564, French Huguenots, these are Protestants, we would say, uh, excuse me, uh, they are uh, Presbyterians, they will become known as Presbyterians, but the French Huguenots, French word, uh, colonists settled in the area of Jacksonville, Florida, and sang a psalm of thanksgiving unto God. In 1607, when the Jamestown colonists arrived in Virginia, they immediately erected a wooden cross and gave thanks for their safe passage across the ocean. Thankfully, there was not an organization there that protested the wooden, wooden cross and demanded that it be removed. In 1619, English colonists at Berkeley Hundred in Virginia decreed that the day of their their arrival, December 4th, shall be yearly and perpetually kept holy as the day of thanksgiving to Almighty God. In the autumn of 1621, the pilgrims at Plymouth, Massachusetts, held a feast to celebrate the harvest and thank the Lord for his goodness the feast that we now remember as the first first Thanksgiving. Um, Most of us remember that the pilgrims departed from uh, England uh, late in the year, and they didn't land in, matter of fact, the date there for their departure. Sometimes it's November the 11th, but calendars have changed and so it comes down to sometimes around November 21st. But they landed in December. Well, we have some cold weather, but if we're going to land uh, in New England in December, it's going to be cold. And if you would say, um, well, where's the motel? Where's the friends for the house to, for us to live? Where's the grocery store? Where's the gas Where's the uh, transportation that we're going to need? The lumber, whatever. So that was very difficult. And that was 1620. And it, was in, it wasn't until 1621 that they actually had the first Thanksgiving. And it was a brutal winter, but they didn't forget God. And in 1621, in the fall, November, they were thankful to God for what he had done for them. In 1777, during the Revolutionary War, the Continental Congress designated December 18 of that year a day for solemn thanksgiving and praise for the Patriotic Army's victory at Saratoga, the first national day of thanksgiving. You'll notice it says 1777. We were in the midst of that uh, that war. And victories were preciously few. And whenever they had a victory, whenever God had given them a victory, they praised God for that victory. How in the world was this ragtag uh, colonial army going to defeat the most magnificent and powerful army of the world? So every time they had a victory, thank you, Lord, 
that is encouraging and will continue the battle. So that was uh, 1777, uh, the first national day of Thanksgiving. And then in 1789, President George Washington proclaimed November 26th to be the day of Thanksgiving for God's blessing and the new United States Constitution. Remember, the war was concluded in 1781, but we really didn't have our Constitution until uh, 1789. And so... President George Washington uh, thanked uh, God for our Constitution. Those who formed the Constitution, George Washington, was the leader of that Continental Congress. Um, He understood the difficulties that uh, uh, faced that Congress to, to form this Constitution. It was, by many, a miracle. Matter of fact, there's been a book written about the miracles uh, in American history and the creation of the Constitution. The the United States uh, Constitution is one of those uh, miracles that's recorded. It wasn't until 1863, in the midst of the Civil War, that the country established a regular national Thanksgiving Day. Abraham Lincoln proclaimed the last Thursday in November, the last day, the last Thursday in November, a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent God, Father. Succeeding presidents followed Lincoln's example. In 1941, Congress passed a law officially declaring the fourth Thursday in November as America's Thanksgiving Day. There's much that could be said about the pilgrims and the uh, difficulties that they faced. And I encourage you to read it because um, I, I don't believe that many of us could face those conditions and still believe that God was blessing us. But God did. He provided for them. What I'd like to do is finish this morning with the the Thanksgiving proclamation that was uh, that was declared during the American Revolutionary War, uh, the Continental Congress designating uh, days of Thanksgiving each year. The first national prop, uh, proclamation of the Thanksgiving was made, as I said, in. 1777. Let me read to you. Let me, and as we read this, uh, some of the language is certainly different than than today. But the sense here is that the thanksgiving was to God, for as much as in the in, uh, for as much as it is the indispensable duty of all men to adore the superintending providence of Almighty God. (laughs) To adore. It's not a word that we often use, at least towards God. His superintending, his overwatch, 
his concern, his care, uh, superintending province of Almighty God to acknowledge with gratitude their obligation to him for benefits received and to implore such further, farther blessings as they stand in need of them. And it having pleased him, God, in his abundant mercy, not only to continue to us the innumerable boundary of bounties of his common providence, but also to smile upon us in the in the prosecution of a just and necessary war for the defense and establishment of our unalienable rights and liberties, particularly in that he hath been pleased. In other words, God's pleased in their efforts, in their pursuits, in that he hath been pleased in so great a measure to prosper the means used for the support of our troops and to crown our arms with most signal with most signal success. Up to that point, they had precious few successes. I mean, this was going to go on for a while. And they were abundantly thankful for the successes that they had. It is therefore recommended to the legislature, legislative or executive powers of these United States to set apart Thursday, the 18th day of December, next, for solemn thanksgiving and praise, that at one time and with one voice the good people may express the grateful feelings of their hearts and consecrate themselves to the service of their divine benefactor, God. And that, together with their sincere acknowledgments and offerings, they may join the penitent confession of their manifold sins, whereby they had, where they had forfeited, forfeited every favor. So let me make sure I get this right. Their, their acknowledgments and offerings, that they may join the penitent confessions of their manifold sins, whereby they had forfeited every favor. In other words, God is providing for them even as they understand the favors that God has given them and their humble and earnest supplication that it may please God through the merits of Jesus Christ, mercifully to forgive and blot them out of remembrance, in other words, their sins, that it may please him graciously to afford his blessings on the government of the, of the states, respectively, and proper and prosper the public council of the whole to inspire our commanders, both by land and sea, and all under them, that with, uh, with that wisdom and fortitude, which may render them fit instruments under the providence of Almighty God to secure to these United States the greatest of all human beings, uh, all blessings, independence, and peace, that it may please him, God, 
to prosper the trade and manufacture of the people and the labor of the husband, husbandman, that our land may yield its increase, to take schools and seminaries of education so necessary for cultivating the principles of true liberty, virtue, and piety under his, God's, nourishing hand, and to prosper the means of religion for the promotion and enlargement of that kingdom, which consists in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You know, this, again, it's difficult to very often read this, but throughout you can tell that uh, their success and their lives is depending upon God's provision. It concludes here, of that proclamation, Samuel Adams wrote to another declaration signer, Henry, uh, Richard, Henry, R- Richard Henry Lee from Virginia, know that the specificity of the language that the good people may express the grateful feelings of their hearts and join their supplication that it may please God through the merits of Jesus Christ. That's the beginning of our nation. And I think it's uh, important for us to recognize that. What I'd like to do in in closing, please turn to Psalm 118. Psalm 118. Many have read this. Some have memorized certain passages here. But Psalm 118. Psalm 118, beginning in verse 1. And we're not sure when this psalm was written. Uh, It's possible that this was uh, post-exilic. In other words, after... uh, 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 the exiles, many exiles had returned from Babylon. We're just not certain. We're not told. But verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks. And this is our word, Yavah. It means to shout praises. It means to throw, to cast our thanks before the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Uh, good here uh, leads us to the understanding that he is righteous, that he is uh, sovereign, um, he is merciful. All of this is sort of wrapped up into this understanding of good. For his mercy, uh, and this is his loving uh, care again, uh, it's translated mercy, but here it's chesed, so this is his loving care, endures forever. Uh, God, being merciful here, is a merciful God, not just periodically, but thankfully forever. You know, it often occurs to me that we, we fail God very often. But even when we fail him, that failure, those sins, have already been forgiven. And while we very often are Uh, disappointed in ourselves. God is not. God loves us. He's provided for us. He expects us to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, press on in God's plan. Let's, uh, that was verse one. Let's go down to verse five. Verse five. 
I call on the Lord in distress. The word here for distress means to be in a tight place, uh, sort of between a rock and a hard place, as we often say. So I called on the Lord in this tight sp- uh, place, in this strait, in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. So you can see the parallelism there. Uh, this is um, a, a contrast. So we find ourselves, very often we place ourselves there in a tight place. And what does God do? He lifts us up and places us in a broad place. No pressure is what this is telling us. The Lord answered me and he set me, he placed me in a broad place, in an open area. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. The Lord's uh, uh, protection, his support is with me. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And what can man do to me means that we live in a world of uh, other individuals who have uh, sin natures. They're not always going to be compassion, compassionate to us. They're not always going to be uh, good, gentle, fair. But God is on our side. So what can happen to us that can be a problem? Verse 7, the Lord is, uh, the Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I will see my desire, my tr- triumph on those who oppose me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence, to put trust in man. It is better to trust, to take refuge in the Lord than to put confidence, to put our trust in princes, in rulers, or in government. And today, as we face uh, doubt and uh, uncertainty uh, in our nation right now, this tells us that we shouldn't put our confidence uh, in rulers, in government. We put our trust in God. No matter what happens in the current um, contest, we can say, God is still here. God is still blessing us. God is still protecting us. God is still providing. And we should be joyfully thankful that he does. And therefore, we can enjoy Thanksgiving this week, this coming week, this week on Thursday, uh, because we have a God who uh, treats us as his sheep. We belong to him. We are his responsibility. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the wonderful promises that we have from the word of God. We know, Father, that it is exceedingly difficult for us to understand uh, your love for us, the depth of your love, your perfect love for us, and your provisions for us, which are also perfect. Help us to remember during this time uh, time of thanksgiving to be truly uh, thankful, grateful for your provision, for the fact that you never leave us. You are with us 
we are indwelt by the Godhead. Who, what can man do to us? What can uh, the God of this world, Satan, because we have the restrainer, God the Holy Spirit, who protects us. Help us, Father, to uh, exhibit this joy, this thanksgiving to those around us, uh, not being worried, not being anxious, but being joyfully thankful that you are our God. We are your sheep. We belong to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.